Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Well, good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to join you here from um, Emmaus Road, and thank you for tuning in this morning. Um, we're continuing the series on um, the life of Joseph from the book of Genesis, and it's a, a, a real privilege to, to be able to do that at, at this moment in history, at this, this point in time. So I don't know how um, your year has been. Of course, we've had the pandemic, we've had covid but lots of us will have faced other enormous challenges, perhaps personal challenges. We may have gone through um, job loss or illness, cancer tests, um, perhaps miscarriage, mental health collapse ourselves, or um, serving those that we love who are going through that. And I'm sure that even just on this broadcast right now, there are many personal stories of pain and trauma. Now, I share that because as we come to God's word, when we read God's word, we don't read it in a vacuum. We don't do that either personally or culturally. And I think it's true to say that globally, we are in a cultural moment of reckoning. Everything is being shaken around us economically, environmentally, within God's church globally, and perhaps even personally. So I want us to, to be honest about that and real about that as we approach the scriptures and perhaps just take a moment to breathe in, to reflect on where we are as um, we listen to the words of scripture. And if you have a Bible, you may want to just open it where you are at chapter 39 of Genesis or maybe have it on your phone. And um, I, I, I want you to think about how you feel as you hear these words. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 3, the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 3, the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Verse 4, Potiphar put him in charge of everything. Verse 5, Joseph was put in charge of everything. Verse 6, Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. And he was well built and handsome. I wonder how you feel as you hear those words, Joseph was in charge, he was in charge, he was in charge, he was handsome, God gave him success. Now, um, the writer of Genesis doesn't put anything in there by mistake, and the way that Hebrew is, is written is that if you want to repeat, if you want to sort of give something emphasis, you repeat, so you say the thing twice. So when we see here in chapter 39, um, all these references to, to, to Joseph being in power, in, in charge, sorry, we're being told by the author of Genesis that the context of everything that we read from now on is power. Joseph is starting to emerge as somebody who has been trusted with power. Now, how do you feel about that when you hear that? Some of us might feel excited when we hear that. God's blessing is coming. We want to get in that stream of his favour and we want to pursue influence and meaning and purpose. And when we think about God's power or you know, being part of something powerful, perhaps we feel exhilarated. Others of us might feel mildly irritated. 
Of course, there are always these occasional hashtag blessed people who are gifted. They're the ones in charge and they're even good looking like Joseph. And that's not me. Our relationship is more complex with power. Perhaps we feel ambivalent or even wary of power. People who have power are dangerous. We've been on the receiving end of those in charge of everything types. And we know from experience that we need to be cautious around power. Take a moment now as we're in God's word to reflect on your own power response to this text. Of course, you know from your series that you've been doing that Joseph's relationship with power is complex. He was sold as a slave by his brothers. He was trafficked to Egypt and he's now assuming authority in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar was really powerful. Next to Pharaoh, he was the next most powerful guy. Joseph is someone who's been abused and traumatised by those who had more power than him is now on the up. Perhaps he thought, oh, that dream where the sheaves came and bowed down to me and where the sun and the moon and the stars, they were bowing down. Perhaps that is about to come true. Remember the prominence of that phrase, in charge, in charge, in charge, three times in a few verses. Joseph has power now. He's got favour. He's got success. Perhaps his trauma is behind him. He's finally broken through. But no, this moment in the text is not the happy ever after moment. As a result of false accusation of sexual assault, Joseph is thrown into prison. The way of the cross, the way of the scriptures, is not the way of the survival of the fittest or the triumph of the ubermensch. A person in the Bible who is called to great spiritual authority to break through and influence in God's kingdom is a person who knows what it is to suffer, to be traumatized, to be falsely accused, to be betrayed, to be sold out by family or people you thought were family to be oppressed by people who have power and to still end up loving a broken world. A person called to great authority by the God of the Bible is like Joseph and they don't love a traumatized world as an external observer to it. They don't serve or lead as a person external to suffering who sees bad things and thinks, oh, how sad, but who leads in and through trauma. Now, um, some of the greatest um, Christian leaders that I know have lived this. I think of a couple called Benjamin and Gloria Kawashi. He is the Archbishop of Jos in northern Nigeria, a man who has demonstrated tremendous leadership and faith in really hard circumstances with Boko Haram and the Fulani around. And um, Benjamin experienced, as the archbishop, having people come to his home, break into his home in order to kill him. But he was not there. And instead of killing him, these intruders meted out their fury, their rage on his wife, sexually assaulting her, beating her, leaving her for dead. She would not have lived if she hadn't been able to receive medical attention in America. She was offered asylum in America but chose to go back to live amongst the people 
who had so traumatised her and bullied her. Ben and Gloria are outstanding leaders rescuing children, raising the cry for the girls taken by Boko Haram, planting churches, seeing God's kingdom come in really difficult places and times. But what is trauma? Trauma is not the terrible things that happen to you. Trauma is what happens inside you as a result of what happened to you. One of the leading writers and thinkers around the theme of trauma is called Bessel van der Kolk and he wrote The Body Keeps the Score and he says, trauma is an inability to inhabit one's body without being possessed by its defences and the emotional numbing that shuts down all experience, including pleasure and satisfaction. Van der Kolk specialises in the relationship between the body and human trauma responses. And so it's interesting to me as I read this text through the lens of trauma that the Bible scripture references Joseph's body. He was handsome. This is referenced in the Genesis narrative. This is telling us as people we're not disembodied spirits, the Bible is trauma informed. And when trauma is triggered, we can regress into primal states of fear, increased heart rate, rapid breathing, cold sweats, constriction of the body, hypervigilance, perhaps flashbacks or panic attacks or disassociation or difficulty sleeping or shame. Now, um, as a personal disclosure, I've been processing trauma this year with a psychologist I've been traumatised by being part of unmasking the power of spiritual and sexual abuse in a religious context and the backlash and bullying that I've experienced as a result of that. And I've been greatly helped by therapy and even by EMDR. And I've been profoundly and deeply helped by the love of God, by the truth of his word, And by the love of a loving God who ensured that in his word, a traumatized world is met, acknowledged and encountered beautifully. You see, in this scripture and throughout scripture, actually, we can we can identify the themes of trauma that we might ourselves experience. And there is no shame in surviving trauma. This hero of the Bible, Joseph is a trauma survivor. And what do trauma survivors long for? Well, they long for what the Bible calls shalom. The Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration in the USA lays out six principles of trauma-informed care. And the first one is safety. The telling of Joseph's story at all, including the deep wounds and disappointments that he goes through, Show us that God is trauma-informed, that the Bible is a safe place for us as traumatised people. There's no empty triumphalism here, no saccharine religiosity, no pretense that systems or bureaucracies can save us. Despite what you may have heard from this story before, there is also no compulsion to rush to a too-quick verbal forgiveness of abuse. But that's for another session. The telling of Joseph's story is deeply, deeply healing and it speaks to us about perhaps the most important issues of our day. How do people handle power without abusing others? 
How does Joseph become someone who is a safe person to be entrusted with enormous power? And in order to understand that, we need to understand how Genesis was put together. You see, Joseph is a prophetic figure. Theologically, there is no mistake in how Genesis unfolds. You see, Joseph is the last of seven individuals who who occupy a prominent place in the text. You have Adam, Abel, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph. But far more space is devoted to Joseph, the last of the seven, than to any of the others. Way more than Abraham, way more than Adam, the first man. Moses felt it was important, extremely important, that we dwell on the life of Joseph. Why? Well, some theologians will say this is because, you know, Exodus is coming next and it wouldn't make sense if we didn't know why the children of Israel were in Egypt. But surely... The real reason why the life of Joseph is described with such fullness of detail is because almost everything described typifies and prophesies something about the Lord Jesus. The high point of the Genesis narrative is pointing us to Christ. Now, we know in the Old Testament that all the sort of central things about the incarnation of Jesus are prophesied through the words of Isaiah, through the words of David. But here we see that the coming of Jesus is also typified. It is also lived out in the scriptures. Joseph's life points to Jesus. Joseph is the beloved son of Jacob. How Jacob loved him. He was the utterly beloved son. And think about how the father describes Jesus in Matthew's gospel. This is my beloved son. Joseph is sent by the father. Jacob is concerned about the welfare of the brothers of Joseph. And he sends Joseph on this errand of seeking their good. And Jesus is the beloved son who is sent by the father into the world. Joseph is sold Um, by Judah for um, 20 pieces of silver. Jesus is sold by Judas, Judah's descendant, for 30 pieces of silver. Joseph serves as a slave in Potiphar's house. Philippians 2 describes Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but took on the nature of a servant, or in the Greek, a bond slave. Joseph resists seduction. He's tempted, but he resists, and that foreshadows the temptation of Jesus. Joseph is shackled. He is falsely imprisoned. He's falsely accused, and he remains silent in the face of his accusation. Jesus, of course, is unjustly sentenced by the one who repeatedly says, I find no fault in him. Uh, Joseph suffers. He suffers in that prison. Psalm 105 describes how God sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold as a slave, and they bruised his feet with shackles. This reminds us it's prophetic of the suffering of Jesus, down to the detail of suffering between two people. For Joseph, it's the baker and um, the wine taster, and, and one repents and the other doesn't. And that typifies what happens with Jesus on the cross. The thief on the cross who Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise and the other who rejects him. Joseph suffers and Joseph is raised. He's raised out of prison, raised up again to great prominence in chapter 41, raised out of the depths 
in order to save and serve a suffering and starving world. And of course, that points to the resurrection of Jesus. So Joseph points us to Jesus, the beloved son who is sent, sold, becomes a servant, resists seduction, is shackled, suffers and is raised to save. And Joseph points us to Jesus in his relationship with power. Abuse by those in power is something that is utterly devastating, including in the church. But Joseph now has enormous responsibility. Chapter 41, verse 55 says, When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. And Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. He's got enormous power. Having suffered, Joseph is now a safe leader, a trustworthy leader, a leader who will not abuse power, a servant leader like Jesus, a wounded leader who understood trauma and who offered forgiveness to perpetrators of great harm. Joseph becomes a safe place and a safe person for a starving world. Marxism desacralizes a vision of economic and resource harmony. It says, take God out of this. But Joseph in his person mirrors Jesus, showing, demonstrating what safe leadership looks like. And what does he do with the authority he's given? He feeds a starving world. Power abuse is totally unmasked in his life. He's been sold. He's been enslaved. He's been unjustly accused. He's been in prison. His gifts have been used and abused by powerful men and their institutions. He's even been abused by his own family. He profoundly understands power abuse and trauma. And he is the one who is trusted with feeding a starving world. He is the one who prophesies in his very life, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is given enormous authority and he's now a person who will not use the power of resource or influence for himself or to crush or dominate others. In our power-obsessed world where we're saturated with power discourse, how desperately we need to learn the lessons of the life of Joseph. Why? Because Joseph was a type of Jesus. Gentle, patient, kind, good. Dr. Diane Langberg writes, victims of abuse need safe people who are not there to exploit them. Abuse victims lose their voice. They need space to tell their story over and over again. Healing is slow in the body and in the mind and in the heart as well. Perhaps it's no mistake that it takes so long for that prophecy of leadership to actually come to be in the life of Joseph. Years pass as he processes this trauma. Joseph is a safe person who points to the ultimate person, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Genesis 41.57 says, All countries came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe in all the world. And it says he'd stored up huge quantities of grain like sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records. How abundant was God's provision that there was enough for everyone in every nation that applied for the alleviation of their need. So much so that Joseph takes the decision to stop to seek to control the flow of the resource 
to stop even being bureaucratic about the resource, to stop even recording what was happening, to not apply the control of bureaucracy, to not seek to control the resource, but to release it to a starving world. So prophetic of Jesus and his amazing provision for us. Not just salvation, but the riches of knowing him, the resources of his kingdom in this starving and dying world. Resources for conservation in the ecological crisis. Resources for creatively reimagining economics in a starving world. Resources for preaching the gospel in a broken world. Resources for the healing shalom of God in a traumatised world. Resources to feed the spiritually hungry in a starving world. Resources to provide physical food in the hunger crisis. God's storehouse is full. And the New Testament says we only need ask. We only need to ask. And we get to serve and to receive, to be the ones through whose hands these resources abundantly flow as the Spirit is poured out on his church for the sake of the world. So receive today what he has to give and follow Joseph's example of giving out that bread to a starving world. Remember that leadership and safe authority trusts the resources of God. Safe authority has suffered. Perhaps our suffering, perhaps our trauma is to be the crucible of our breakthrough. Victims of trauma. Is God telling you today that you are needed, that your hands matter? You too can be a vessel of Christ because you can be a safe handler of power in our generation through Christ, through the one who is beloved, sent, sold, serves as a slave, suffers and is raised to save. May the love and truth of the suffering saviour emanate from our every pore. May we be found trustworthy that his gigantic storehouse of blessing and breakthrough might flow through our hands. And if you've suffered, if you're struggling, hear the word of the Lord that your trauma, your suffering may be the crucible for your breakthrough. Amen.